Welcome to the new episode of American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. And welcome to the latest episode in our season on Haunted Hollywood, which is, as always, hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. Well, as we near the end of our season on Haunted Hollywood, we're taking you on a weekly walk down the back streets and alleys of the City of Angels. It's a celebration of the Halloween season and a way of wrapping up, well, a season of a podcast that literally never seems to end. And again, I'm sorry about that. We just couldn't help it. We just had a lot of good stories to tell and well, we're not quite finished. But if you've missed any of the show this season, or if this is your first time listening, you'll want to go back to episode 70 of the podcast, which will get you caught up on everything that's already happened. Just be aware that the episodes in this season are definitely not suitable for all listeners. So if you continue on from here, you can't say we didn't warn you. And just as a note, this is, I say probably, but really definitely not an episode for the kids. We're only two episodes away now from the end of our Haunted Hollywood season, and I have to confess that I saved this one for near the end for one reason. It's a personal story for me, I guess. It's not because I knew Bob Crane, but I sure felt like I did when I was a kid. As listeners already know, I love the world of television and the movies. They've both been a part of my life for really as long as I can remember. I still remember coming home from school each day, grabbing a snack, sitting down to watch the string of reruns that aired every afternoon in those days. Gilligan's Island, The Brady Bunch, Batman, The Munsters, all kinds of great stuff. In these days of on-demand entertainment, kids will never experience what some of us did growing up, having to find that, you know, great show that was on after we got home from school. But there was no other show that I loved as much in those days as Hogan's Heroes. Now, while it might seem strange for a kid to be fascinated by a comedy about POWs in a German prison camp during World War II, I just love the show. And most of all, I love Bob Crane. There was just something about the handsome, wisecracking actor that appealed to me as a kid. And I never forgot my fondness for him and the show that brought me so much entertainment every afternoon. Well, I was only 12 years old when Bob Crane was murdered, but I certainly understood that the real life man was... Well, certainly no Colonel Hogan. As I learned more and more about his unusual private life, I learned to just enjoy his on-screen work. And I also learned to sympathize with his personal demons. He was a man driven by something that I didn't understand, but could certainly accept. Unfortunately for Bob, it led to his death and to an enduring mystery that will probably never be solved. The death of a celebrity is, without a doubt, always an object of morbid curiosity in America. It's always followed by television accounts, newspaper stories, and tributes by peers and admirers from every walk of life. However, when the Hollywood notable dies under strange or bloody circumstances, then the death becomes even more curious and gets bigger headlines for an even longer period of time. Should the murder go unsolved, the death becomes a legend. and often, unfortunately, defining that performer's place in history and overshadowing the accomplishments that earned them a place as a celebrity in the first place. 
Well, this has happened many times over the years, as been revealed in the many episodes of this season already, and in fact, in another episode still to come. In the case of Bob Crane, though, there was an added element to the mystery, making it even more lurid. It was not until his brutal murder in 1978 that the public learned that the seemingly wholesome disc jockey and television performer was leading a kind of strange double life. It turned out that Bob was a compulsive sexual exhibitionist and a swinger who devoted much of his time to picking up women he met on the dinner theater circuit and then documenting his tireless sexual performances with photographs and videotapes. Another facet to this personality was his often startling lack of shame about what he did. He often proudly showed his albums of pornographic photographs and tapes to anyone who stopped by his house, even to his family. He seemed clueless as to how offensive his behavior might be to them and ignorant of the destructiveness of his constant womanizing. And it would be this that would get him killed. Robert Edward Crane was born on July 13, 1928 in Waterbury, Connecticut. He grew up in a middle-class home, the younger son of Alfred and Rosemary Crane. His father was a furniture and floor covering salesman who, as he prospered, moved his family to the upscale town of Stamford. As a child, Bob showed an affinity for music, and by age 11, he was playing drums in his own band. At 16, he dropped out of high school to become the percussionist for the Connecticut Symphony Orchestra. Well, he was let go after two years because he couldn't stop cutting up, as they said, during performances. After that, he toured the Northeast with several bands, finally getting out of music in the late 1940s as the era of the big swing bands began to fade. In May 1949, he married Anne Terzian, whom he had started dating when he was 14 and she was 12. During the course of their 20-year marriage, the couple had three children, Robert, Deborah, and Karen. For a time, they lived with Anne's family, but Bob was determined to find a dependable source of income. He began working in a jewelry store during the day and working band gigs at night. In 1950, he became a disc jockey and a radio host. He soon gained a solid reputation as a performer and became very popular for his on-air clowning around. He was hired by Los Angeles station KNX in 1956 and moved his family to California. He started a celebrity interview show that quickly gained a huge audience, and before long, the new king of the LA airwaves, as he was called, was bringing home 100,000 bucks a year. But Bob was still not happy. He still wanted to get into acting, so to gain experience, he started performing in local theaters and began earning guest spots on television and small movie roles in films like Return to Peyton Place and Man Trap. For a short time, he filled in for Johnny Carson as the host of the daytime TV quiz show, Who Do You Trust? After guest roles on shows like The Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Bob landed a part on the popular sitcom The Dick Van Dyke Show. Donna Reed saw the handsome actor in the episode and thought he'd be perfect to play Dr. Dave Kelsey on The Donna Reed Show. The easygoing next-door neighbor that he played was only supposed to be featured in one episode, but it led to his becoming a regular on the show in 1963. Bob also continued with his daytime radio show and, with the added income, moved his family to a new home in Tarzana in the San Fernando Valley. Bob left the Donna Reed show in 1965. The rumor was he accidentally overheard Donna Reed's husband, the show's producer, say that he was unimpressed by Crane's acting in the show. Bob always seemed confident and self-assured, but deep down, he was always worried that he wasn't good enough. So wounded, he walked off the set and didn't return. Well, as it turned out though, Donna Reed's husband was apparently the only producer 
unimpressed with Bob's work. His role in that series led directly to his being cast as a clever American POW in Hogan's Heroes, the offbeat sitcom that premiered in September of 1965. Set in a German prisoner of war camp, the show pitted Crane's slippery officer and his ingenious men against the incompetent Colonel Clank, who ran Stalag 13 with the help of the easily hoodwinked Sergeant Schultz and the other bumbling guards. Part of the appeal of Hogan's Heroes was undoubtedly its star with his handsome face, sharp wit, and easy smile. It made Bob Crane a household name despite some of the controversy that the show caused. Some neo-Nazi groups were upset by the way the program lampooned their ideological fathers. Which, gee, isn't that sad. Uh, but Bob did say that he received threats from these extremist groups, so it, it really wasn't a laughing matter. Not completely, anyway. On the other hand, there were many Jewish organizations that were offended by the almost lovable jerk treatment given to the Germans, but those were in the minority. Bob received many fan letters from Jews who found the show hilarious. It didn't hurt that the two biggest German buffoons in the show were both Jewish. Both Colonel Klink and Sergeant Schultz. Warner Klimperer had been born in Cologne, Germany in 1929 and grew up in Berlin. His father Otto was Jewish by ethnicity, but had converted to Christianity. Such a conversion would not, of course, prevent persecution by the Nazis. In 1933, Otto and his family fled the country and went to Switzerland, then Austria, then sailed for America in 1935. John Banner was hilarious in the role of the baffled Sergeant Hans Schultz. On the program, the silly sergeant took bribes from Hogan's sly band, thus ensuring his reluctant complicity in their hijinks. Banner was Jewish and his family had been victimized by the Nazis. He was 28 and living in Austria when the Nazis took over, and his family died in the extermination camps. Banner himself fled to Switzerland and then came to America in 1939. He often played Nazis, remarking, quote, who can play Nazis better than us Jews? As Sergeant Schultz, he was especially popular with children who loved his trademark statements. I know nothing, I see nothing. And we've all imitated that, at least those of you who have seen Hogan's Heroes. Executives at the studio feared offending soldiers who had actually lived through the experience of being prisoners of Germany during World War II. Ex-POWs are our greatest boosters, Crane once proudly noted. The ex-POWs in Albuquerque, New Mexico have an association that a convention invited me to speak. Despite the risky premise of setting a comedy in a Nazi prison camp, the show became a huge success and ran for 168 episodes over six seasons. During the show's run, Bob found time to do summer stock theater, talk show appearances, and movies. Bob's success seemed to escalate his need for random sexual encounters, which of course led to affairs and marriage trouble. Notice that I said it escalated his behavior. It didn't start it. According to one of his sons, Bob had been picking up strangers for sex and photographing naked women as far back as the 1940s. He lost his virginity at the age of 14 to a neighbor's wife and stayed in a relationship with her for over a year. In the 1950s, he began making his own amateur porn films. His need to have and record and photograph multiple sex partners did not begin with his television success. It likely just made it easier for him to find willing partners. And you won't be surprised to learn that Bob's behavior led to his wife leaving him and filing for divorce in May 1969, just before their 20th wedding anniversary. The divorce was bitter and led to a long and drawn out fight over finances. Well, Bob, of course, bounced back. And in October 1970, he married actress Patricia Arnett Olson on the set of Hogan's Heroes. 
Under her professional name of Sigrid Valdis, Olsen played Hilda, the shapely German secretary in Colonel Klink's office. The next year, the Cranes had a son, Robert Scott, who went by the name Scotty. After the end of Hogan's Heroes, Crane made numerous guest appearances on television shows and appeared in several made-for-television movies, along with the Disney film Super Dad. He rejected several sitcom pilots, claiming they were weak follow-ups to his earlier success. In 1974, he passed on a $300,000 a year job as the host of an LA radio show that would require him to work on air for just four hours a day. Instead, he chose to do The Bob Crane Show, a not very funny sitcom that only lasted for one season. This failure left Crane bitter and without direction, and he wound up with a secondary role in the Disney football film, Gus, about a donkey that kicked field goals. And yes, it is as bad as it sounds. He was also a guest star on shows like The Love Boat, which is not exactly top notch. Some reports say that word was starting to spread in the industry about the actor's penchant for hanging out in topless bars and lounges, and that this was so much the opposite of Bob's clean-cut image that producers were worried about hiring him. Well, Crane's second marriage lasted until 1978. His son went to live with his mother, leaving Bob even further adrift. To keep busy and earn a living, he began headlining romantic comedies at dinner theaters all over the country. One of his favorite productions was called Beginner's Luck, a light sex comedy with a small cast. In June, Bob was starring in this play at the Windmill Dinner Theater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Now, at this point in his life, Bob had developed the habit of getting together on his road trips with John Henry Carpenter, a video equipment salesman and a repairman from Los Angeles. The pair had initially become friends after they were introduced by Bob's Hogan's Heroes co-star, Richard Dawson. Bob wanted to videotape his sexual escapades and needed recommendations on what kind of equipment to buy. Video was still in its infancy at the time and was very expensive. However, it offered Bob much more than mere photographs, even though he was still taking plenty of those for his scrapbooks too. Carpenter found that his much better looking friend had an easy way with women and he used Bob's celebrity to pick up the actor's cast-offs. Typically during their night on the town, Crane and his hanger-on would visit local bars, meet willing young women and escort them back to their hotel room for sex and sessions with Bob's video equipment. Some reports say that prior to or during Bob's stay in Scottsdale, he had reconsidered his compulsive lifestyle and was thinking of trying to deal with or at least cut back on his sexual addiction. Part of this plan called for him to stop associating with his tawdry and needy sidekick. And it might have been this change in plans that led to Bob's death. On Wednesday, June 28, 1978, after a performance of Beginner's Luck, Crane and Carpenter went to several different Scottsdale bars. Later, witnesses recalled pieces of their conversation and remembered that Bob seemed upset about a recent encounter with his estranged wife. A few days before, Patricia and Scotty had traveled to Scottsdale to see Crane, but the visit had resulted in a heated argument. Aside from that, several others recalled that there seemed to be problems between Crane and Carpenter. It's believed that Bob had already told his sleazy friend that they would be going their separate ways. Nevertheless, the pair had drinks with two women and then were later seen with them in a local coffee shop. After that, Carpenter allegedly went to go back to his room at the Sunburst Motel and pack for his return trip to LA. At some point that night, he telephoned Bob, but there's no record of what was said. 
The next day, June 29th, just before 2 p.m., Victoria Berry, a member of the cast of Beginner's Luck, came by Bob's place at the Winfield Apartments. He'd failed to show up for a lunch that was being used to promote the show. She was stopping by, though, because Bob had a videotape of her performance in the show, and she wanted to use it with her resume. When he'd missed the lunch, she decided to stop by his apartment. When she arrived at apartment 132A, the door to his ground floor residence was unlocked. Victoria went inside, calling for Bob, but no one answered. When she reached the bedroom, she spotted someone under a sheet on the bed. Startled, she looked up and saw blood spatter all over the walls and on the bed. The person under the sheet, she realized, was lying in a pool of blood. Panicked, she pulled back the sheet and saw that the figure was a man, but his face was so damaged she was unable to tell if it was Bob. She immediately called the police. Officers arrived minutes later, and it was soon determined that the body on the bed was that of Bob Crane. His head had been bashed in by an unidentified blunt object, but there was no sign of a struggle or forced entry to the apartment. The coroner later determined that Bob had been struck twice while sleeping, although the first blow had likely killed him. He was also able to determine that the murder weapon had been one of Bob's own video tripods. An electrical cord taken from a video camera in his bedroom had been tied in a bow around his neck after he was dead. Scottsdale Police Lieutenant Ron Dean was placed in charge of the investigation into Bob's murder. It would turn out to be a thankless and exhausting job. News quickly spread about the murder, stunning his friends and former Hogan's Heroes castmates. Warner Klimperer learned of the murder from a television newscast and later said, quote, I almost had a heart attack. While the homicide was being investigated, Bob was buried on July 5, 1978 at Oakwood Memorial Park in Chatsworth, California. More than 200 mourners attended the burial mass at St. Paul the Apostle Church in Westwood, including his first wife and their three children, his widow and his son, Victoria Berry, friends and former castmates, and John Carpenter. Meanwhile, Scottsdale investigators were hard at work on the case. Their working theory was that the killer was someone that Bob knew, a person who, before the homicide, had left the apartment and then returned through a front door or a window that he or she had left unlocked earlier. They came back while Bob was sleeping and struck the actor a heavy blow on the left side of the head with the video tripod. A second, lighter blow crushed Bob's skull. The killer tied the electrical cord tightly around Crane's neck, but by this time, he was already dead. Before fleeing, the killer pulled the sheet up around the victim's head. Cash was found in Bob's wallet, which eliminated robbery as a motive. Thanks to the high-profile coverage of the crime in both the newspapers and tabloids, Bob's secret sex life came to light. Approximately 50 pornographic videotapes were found at the apartment, as well as professional photography equipment in the bathroom for developing and enlarging still shots. One thing was missing from the crime scene, though, Bob's gigantic album of nude photos. The initial suspect in the case was Crane's longtime friend, John Carpenter. On the evening before Crane's murder, Victoria Berry saw the two men leave the windmill dinner theater together. The following day, as she was being questioned by detectives at Bob's apartment, the telephone rang. Lieutenant Dean told her to answer the phone, but not to say anything about Bob. The call was from John Carpenter, who was back in L.A. The police lieutenant took the phone, identified himself, and told Carpenter that the police were at Crane's apartment investigating, quote, an incident. Well, Carpenter told Dean he'd been out with Crane until about 1 a.m., but later changed that time to 2.45 a.m. He then said he'd driven by himself to the airport later in the morning for his return flight to Los Angeles. 
Dean said later that he found it strange that Carpenter had not asked him why the police were in Bob's apartment or where Bob was and why someone else was answering his phone. Later that day, police interviewed some of Bob's colleagues and friends. Everyone described him in the same way. He was personable, charming, and fun to be around. But he'd made a few enemies, including an actor that he'd worked with at a dinner theater in Texas who had argued with Bob and threatened him. And thanks to Bob's reputation with the ladies, there was also a lot of angry husbands and boyfriends floating around out there somewhere. Even so, Carpenter remained the prime suspect. Some witnesses claimed there was a strain in their relationship, but no actual evidence of a disagreement existed between the two men. Aside from Bob cutting the man off from his life, there seemed to be no motive that would have caused him to murder his friend. Soon though, Lieutenant Dean heard rumors that claimed Bob might have loaned Carpenter $15,000 that his friend was unable to pay back. But was that enough to brutally murder a man he'd been friends with for years? Well, even if it was, there was no physical evidence that tied him to the crime at first. Detectives managed to track down the rental car that Carpenter had been using in Scottsdale. Detective Darwin Barry inspected the vehicle and found a small amount of dried blood on the door. The car was examined and photographed, but the blood turned out to be inconclusive. It was tested and determined to be type B, the same blood type as Bob Crane. Carpenter had the far more common type A blood type. Though its presence in Carpenter's car was suspicious, the police and those pre-DNA testing days had no way of positively identifying the blood as Bob's. Thanks to this, no formal charges were filed at the time because of insufficient evidence. Because of the continuing popularity of Hogan's Heroes and reruns, and thanks to the unsolved murder, Bob Crane's name remained in the news in the years that followed. Well, in May 1992, after a change in prosecutors in Scottsdale, the Crane case was reopened. This time, John Carpenter was named as the defendant and arrested. However, because of the charges pending against Carpenter in California, which included uh, sexual misconduct with a minor because this guy's a real prize, the trial in the Crane case did not begin in September 1994. Despite the district attorney's best efforts, which included DNA testing, the evidence from the crime scene and from Carpenter's rental car, it turned out to be just too compromised from the passage of years. The case turned out to be stronger in theory than it was in actual evidence, and Carpenter was acquitted, even though the detectives and many in the public, including me, believe that he did it. At this point, it no longer matters, though. Carpenter died on September 4th, 1998, maintaining his innocence to the end. The full truth about Bob's unsolved murder will probably never be known. And like so many other Hollywood ghosts, perhaps that's why his spirit continues to walk. But not at the place where he died. His spirit is most frequently reported at a location where he found happiness for many years. CBS Columbia Square, where Bob worked as an on-air personality for CBS's original radio station, KNX. Located on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, the square was home to both radio and television stations for decades, although all of them have since moved to other facilities in the LA area. Before they did, though, many staff members and visitors claimed to spot Bob's ghost, perhaps recapturing those days, when his life was still uncomplicated by television fame and overwhelmed by his own personal demons. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language 
And I don't mean like spells or incantations to trap spirits, you weirdos. I mean like a new language that could help you start communicating with more people on this plane today. Then I need to tell you about Rosetta Stone. Look, you know the brand, you know the name. They have the expertise and a 30-year legacy, which makes them more qualified than ever to help you learn a new language today. They've helped millions of people build the fluency and confidence to speak new languages. Now, this is the part where Troy would tell me that I made some kind of grammatical error, but he's not here right now, so like, I don't know, it's like speaking tongues. Rosetta Stone focuses on speaking practice for real-life scenarios to get you ready for real conversations with real people. Or maybe you can even learn how to use some different types of Ouija boards. I don't know. Either way, Rosetta Stone can help you learn faster and retain your new language better. Honestly, Rosetta Stone really would have come in handy for season four of New Orleans because I know we butchered some of those French names and I apologize once again. Now you all know I have a nine to five job when I'm not at the podcast factory and Rosetta Stone actually helped me not make a total fool out of myself while I was in Brazil interviewing celebrities. Obrigado. And now I want to help you. So don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, American Hauntings podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Rosetta Stone, how language is learned. Wait, by the way, Troy, like where do words come from? Hey, no, don't, 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 don't walk away. Oh, Troy, where do words at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. vodka and they brought us like a bottle of triple sec instead <laughs> we were like okay this is fucking blows. not even close yeah yeah okay thank Just you checking. yep no problem at least i didn't yell or thanks for that yep no. yep okay. <clears throat> unique new york okay <laughs> thanks for tuning into the american hauntings podcast the show where we discuss history hauntings legends lore and the dark side of american history we are now in season five of the podcast Still haunted Hollywood. I'm your co-host Cody Beck, and with me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, and the founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor. Yep, still. But we're, you we're did almost this done. I know, I know, I did. So, and I, I, I kept, you know, I kept saying, mm-hmm. we this won't be that long. Yeah, it, it won't be that long. Yep, and it's been like a year. I just, I Dude, saw, it really has. I know. I saw there was a post of when we started it, and it came up in my. Like timeline the other day is one year ago, and I'm like, oh man, God, <laughs> oh, that's man. so long for it a is, season. It is. How it long is. should they be? Six I months? Yeah, probably Maybe. closer to that. Yeah, All probably right. so. Well, live and learn. There yeah. were a lot of good stories. There were a lot so of good stories. So I just stories. could not. I couldn't stop. I don't think so. people are mad about it. I'm no, mad I don't about think it, so. but everybody yeah, else. Yeah, no, I, think I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I haven't had any. I've had people tell me they're sorry it was ending, and I'm like, well, I know we're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but and then you know, I hate to be that way because 
I I really enjoyed this season. I really did. Yeah. But it's time now. It's time to yeah. die, yeah. It's time to move on. Yes. So. Well, speaking of moving on, it's October. Yes. There's a lot of shit going on. Yeah, well, yeah, there is. Um, and a lot of it's sold out already. Of you course. Know, it's, it's, it's October. So um, a lot of, well, all of the River Road tours, pretty much all the dinners, mm-hmm. all that stuff is sold out for the rest of the year, pretty much. Nice. Um, we have a Christmas, a Spirits of Christmas dinner that still has seats available and literally that's it for the rest of the year uh but we did post our winter and spring events though we put up um dinner events goes to the river road tours of course dead of winter mm-hmm. event coming up in february uh that's our big food drive event that we always do yeah. and then um we even posted some info about the haunted america conference already um, yeah in 2022 well yeah i mean not we didn't even just put some of the preliminary stuff up uh-huh. uh because uh, tickets won't go on sale till january but it is our 25th anniversary. So, Ooh, yeah. do something so, big and spooky. Yeah, yeah, well, I think it'll be, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a good year. Nice. Yeah. For it's that Christmas great. thing, can I like cosplay as Ebenezer Scrooge? You can if you'd like. Thank you. Yeah. I have the whole, I have like a pajama set with the floppy hat and a <laughs> yeah, little candle. You yeah. You look like the bear that used to advertise for Travel Lodge with the sleepy bear. Mm. Yeah, it's probably before your time. Not, yeah, not It right was yet. even before my time, but I still remember seeing the signs. I don't remember, so. but I'll take your word for yeah, it. Yeah, and a little candle. And, yeah, it's fun. It's classy. Yeah. Classic yeah. comedy. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Is there anything else coming up, or is that it? Um, really, that's that's kind of where I just need to leave it because okay. so much stuff is gone. I right, that's so much I can push. And we did come out with the new issue of the Morbid Curious magazine. Though. Mm-hmm. Uh, that did just come out uh, last week, and it is our Halloween double issue. It's very thick, fun. Yeah, I, I it got it got out of control. So I just decided, <laughs> you know what? I, I mean, when when you've got writers that are going, so what's the word count again? And I'm going, ah, don't worry about it. Yeah, whatever you yeah, want to make. And then, you know, I got <laughs> I got these monstrous sized pieces. So mm. it's all right. Um, so we just, we, it's a double issue. It's Halloween. Why I not? love it. I love so, it. Yeah. I, have some, uh, I have some new shirts up. Oh, you do? Uh, yeah, American Onyx clothing. I got, uh, yeah, some fun stuff up there. So check that out. You didn't comment on my shirt that I'm wearing. I looked at it earlier and then I, okay. I was like, I didn't even try to read it. I was just like, yeah. my brain's not yeah. up yet. But yeah, I like yeah. it. But it comes out real well in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So, Do you yeah. want it to give it away or not? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's it's Candyman it five is. times, but it's backward on yes. my shirt. So I like that the font. when you're looking in the mirror, it's right. the right way. Classic. So, yeah. uh, I love it. Let's talk about some listener reviews and sure. ratings. Uh, we, this one comes to us from Keegan HPH. It's titled Hands Down, My New Favorite Podcast. And it's cut off, so I don't know what the rest of the title is. It says, <laughs> this podcast is everything I've been looking for. History, murder, ghost, and two amazing hosts with great chemistry. I don't know about all that. <laughs> uh, seriously, these guys are the real deal. I've learned so much from the fascinating stories that Troy tells and then Cody and Troy discuss. I truly think I've gained a wealth of knowledge within one week. I've started binging your podcast. Uh, I could listen to Troy talk about history and ghosts all day long. He's just that good. I so appreciate his extensive knowledge about the stories he tells and his love of a good anecdote. His inclusion of quirky little details within a story creates such a strong visual for the listener. Also, I love the thoughtful questions and good energy Cody brings to the table during the second half of the pod. Thank you. Both pods are sorry, both parts are equally enjoyable. Please never stop doing what you're doing. It's unique and wonderful and to be quite frank, I'm hooked. Keep it up, guys. And then at the end wrote I was very high when I wrote this. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, I just cut that part out so you you seem cool. 
Uh, this next one's from, it's called, titled Pleasantly Frightful from 999 Haunts. It says, years ago I found Troy's book Haunted Illinois and was really impressed with this storytelling and depth of research. I just recently found this podcast and have enjoyed the content. I do become a bit annoyed with Cody. Yeah, he same. seems to be at a loss regarding the subject matter at times. You get Again, a lot of, uh-huh. miss the point. Sure. So, and uh, okay. From okay. They, uh, but they seem to get along well together, so whatever works. They still gave us four out of five stars, and oh. I thought, oh, okay. um, you get the podcast. I am annoying, and I, I don't know the subject right. matter. <laughs> right. And right. I think the rest is That's just the whole act, point. It's active yeah. listening. Just yeah. to, you know, yeah. I think sometimes too, Troy will like he'll go on about things for so long that I'll lose the beginning thread, and so I won't remember what I was going to comment on. So I can only comment on the last sentence he said. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate the the nice criticism of people when they're not too mean, and so I uh, I take that in stride. And we still got four out of five stars. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> this last review is uh, titled "Best Season," and it's from What the Fuck's Every Name Is Taken. Uh, so I'm guessing they probably <laughs> did this just to leave us a review. So I appreciate it. Said I'm saddened to hear this season haunted Hollywood is drawing to an end. I've greatly enjoyed this season a lot more than I thought I would. I've enjoyed it so much, I believe I'm on the 7th or 8th playthrough easily, if not more, and have found myself researching other shows who have covered similar topics in between. I wouldn't mind if deep dives like this would occur in future seasons. Are you are you okay if you've binged this whole season seven or eight times through? <laughs> yeah. That's that can't be good for no, anybody's I can't mental think health. So either. Some of these stories are just so upsetting and um that's just a lot of our voices yeah, to have to go is, through. It is a lot. But so I appreciate it and thank you very much for the reviews. Are you ready to no, dive I'm in? Not done. Oh boy. I knew <laughs> I you like were that. you were scheming over there. No, I like the the one that says at first I thought Troy interrupting Cody was an accident. Oh yeah. And then it says nope. It's sometimes the ending is sometimes as good as the story in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. So another yet another fan of uh, Orson Welles. Uh, yes, that's that's so what they're saying. That's what yes, they're that's about. what they. I, think I they also mean, like this one. Worry about your health. Nobody cares about your opinions. Stay in your lane. Yep. That's always a great. We gotta stay. Gotta so. stay in our lane on our <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um, thank you again for the reviews. At least most of them. <laughs> I titled this part Troy loves Hogan's Heroes. I did love Hogan's Heroes. I still do. It's still funny. It's still so funny. Uh, I wanted to say you and I watched the same shows when we got home from school because my mother would relive her oh, like childhood right. whenever I got back. So I watched <laughs> Gilligan's Island and Munsters and I Love Lucy and uh, Leave It to Beaver and all these things that she just always had on yeah. all the time. And Hogan's Heroes was always hilarious. Um, but you mentioned how the real life man certainly know Colonel Hogan. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, we're gonna dive into how he's a little bit different. Yeah, he's different. But on you screen. know, I still always love that guy. Yeah, why I not? mean when I I mean, obviously I only saw him on screen, but sure. you know, or saw him in interviews or something like that, but he just seems so like personable and yeah. warm and friendly. He never came across as a you know, when you see an interview with him, even old interviews, mm-hmm. never comes across like a dick. Yeah. You know, he just always seemed happy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, now we know why. Well, of course but we I, know why, yes. you know, But no, we didn't, I obviously did not know that when he was alive. I was just a kid, but yeah, um, yeah it's... Um, the man might be onto something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but what, I mean, whatever floats your boat. But um, I mean, if you he, he wasn't hurt anybody. Yeah. Um, it was a case of where, you know, anything he did was consensual. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was out raping people or anything mm-hmm. like that. I mean, he just... 
talked a lot of girls into posing as for photos yeah. and videos. And the problem, I think, well, obviously, the problem is that he liked to show them to people. Yeah. That's a little weird. Uh, That's a little weird. Louis C.K.-ish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, let you sh- let me show you my collection of pornographic photos. These yeah. are all the women that I picked up on the dinner cir- theater circuit, yeah. you know, which I'm thinking, wow. Um, that is, you, you I don't know. I, I, I'm, there are many things you could say about mm-hmm. that, but... Um, you know, fading star on the dinner theater circuit. And these are the women he's picking up and, and, you know, they're just so happy to be with Colonel Hogan. Yeah. They'll pose for pictures and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's, I think that's where, that's where it kind of crosses the line mm-hmm. is the let's show them to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you do in your own time is your business. Sure. And, you know, and like I said, it was all consensual. It wasn't like he was assaulting anyone, but yeah. You know, but unless maybe showing someone that is these days, that's probably considered that's a true. So, that's you know, true. So, you know, yeah, those or at least to get you canceled for it, sure. It, well, those you know. nudes were for you. They weren't for your friends. Your right. Family, right. Right. You know? sure, so you got to sure, sure. keep them to yourself. Yeah. You talked about how the death of celebrities is a big deal. Um, and I want to talk about like what we do at Cinema Blend when that happens, when somebody dies. Like yeah. we're, it's all like full stop. Everybody's in a chat. We're going on trying to write an article. We'll do we usually do like an obit kind of thing. And then we'll do like Twitter reactions from other celebrities sure. and like bigger publications. Like I know people don't like to think about this, but like they're ready for when Tom Hanks and Betty White go. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, they right. have the video sure. montage ready, yeah, all ready yeah, yeah. to go. It probably says do not publish somewhere. <laughs> right. And sometimes oh, right. these things slip right. through. But yeah, it's, a, it's a big it, deal. It was it kept falling off a cliff. Remember that? Falling that kept, off a cliff. There kept being a report that kept coming out about there was some celebrity that kept falling off a cliff. They weren't really, but yeah. that somehow it would get leaked and it would spread everywhere. Huh. I can't remember who it was now. So maybe somebody who's listening maybe will remember yeah. this. Yeah, tweeted us or but, something. And it was like it was it was posted as fact. Mm-hmm. And then it happened again. Oh. Same person. <laughs> and you know, um both times turned out to be wrong for the I for the life of me, I can't remember who it was. But I remember their reaction was very yeah, funny like mark twain's you know the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated mm-hmm. you know yes. uh but yeah so i mean that's been with us for how long yeah death forever celebrities, but now now we just have twitter and things so yeah yeah it's even different and it goes a lot yeah it comes out a lot faster yes yes and you mentioned if they're mur- if, they're, if they're murdered and that goes unsolved it often defines the performer's place in history unfortunately uh this wasn't the only mystery surrounding bob crane's murder it also revealed a double life like you talked about Said he's a sexual exhibitionist, like we talked about. Good, good for him, you know. Like I said, yeah, not whatever. hurting anybody. Yeah. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. Um, he seemed clueless to how offensive the behavior might be. Um, and yeah, that was definitely a quirk there. Yes. But why? Why is that a problem? Okay, dude, come yeah. on now. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong? It's, it's tasteful. It's art. Again, Louis C.K. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm curious something about him too. If 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 everybody that he did that stuff to, if they're cool with him now. Is he back on or is he canceled? I, I don't know. It's How's a that good work? Question. I've wondered I, how that works. I don't works. know. If, yeah, if everybody says, well, you know, didn't hurt me. I, yeah, I just, I left the room yeah. or whatever. I, I don't know how that works. I don't, I, I don't know enough about it. I don't you know, either. The politics of all that. When but. Sarah Silverman was like, oh, it's fine. I was like, oh, shit. So it was, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, Robert Edward Crane, born July 13th, 1928 in Waterbury, Connecticut. He loved playing music, which is something yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently it, pretty good musician uh drummer and stuff got yeah got kicked out of the orchestra because he couldn't stop goofing around i thought when you said <laughs> yeah. cutting up i was like does that mean like drum solo no no like no just with... acting like a goon oh. you know, just joking and laughing around and and you know 
just being distracting sure. to everyone, I think. So fair enough. Yeah. Uh, 1949 <laughs> marries uh, Anne Terzian. Terzian it becomes a, it becomes a disc jockey and radio host. I googled real quick just to check this yes. out, and the first thing that popped up was a radio show with Regis Philbin and Michael Jackson. Not that Michael Jackson, apparently, but a different <laughs> one. Um, and I listened to a little bit of it. It was fun. It was very. It made me realize where a lot of the like jokes and cliches and things come from because there's like you know he's doing little jingles and well, bits yeah, for commercials. He was, and, right. I mean, he was definitely ahead of his time as far as uh, he was a he was a not a shock jock but mm-hmm. like a popular dj before there were popular djs got it i mean he was one of the first really big ones in uh in la and california in that area and so everybody listened to him mm-hmm. and that's what made him famous and i mean you know he talks about you know, he's making a hundred grand a year in 1950. It's crazy. Holy cow, that's nuts, you know. And, um, you know, and then later turns down some big chances to go back to radio, because, but he wanted to stay on TV or, yeah. you know, and stuff. But, um, yeah, he's just um, was super popular and obviously before my time, but I've heard a lot of I've listened to some of his clips mm-hmm. and I've had heard people who talked about what a great DJ he was, how much fun he was. Yeah. And I've got a big book at home that's like the history of LA radio ah. and it's got a big section on Bob Crane in it you know, nice. just because he's oh, I mean he's an icon as far as radio goes mm-hmm. and well TV too but um, definitely he definitely made a mark yeah. in LA for sure he just yeah he had one of those voices and personalities oh, yeah. and it was, yeah, yeah. it was great is your radio book on one of your many radios or is it on a bookshelf no it's on a bookshelf oh right well <laughs> missed opportunity Troy has like a million old timey radios uh, <laughs> Okay, his acting career. So he said he did things like guest roles on Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and then lands a part in the Dick Van Dyke show, lands a role on the Donna Reed show. I think I missed the era when these shows were just named after people. Yeah, right? Like, when you really could cool. just get away with that. I know they still do well, it Well, they do still. It's sometimes, you know, Bob Newhart. How many how many different shows did he have that was Bob Newhart, Newhart, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, But, again, there's a guy that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, you know... Um, you know, my and this is completely. It just made me think. Of do it. it, yeah, go for it. It went completely off topic, but do, do you remember that Saturday Night Live sketch that Bob Newhart was a host on there, and he he only charged like five dollars for therapy when people would come in, and then I they would know. start. This girl was talking about how she was um, uh, terrified of being buried alive. Do you, do you, do you, I don't. You it's not ringing this? any bells. She's no. talking about how she, you know, I have this fear of being buried alive, and he says, you know what? Stop it. Stop it! And that's his whole thing. <laughs> that's and he goes, whole "That'll thing. be $5. You know, and okay. you know, yeah, it's, it's, you gotta see, I'll you look ch- it up I'll, sometime. I'll check it out. It's, it's hilarious. I mean, speaking of people who have their own show. Yes, you know, yes. No, I, I love Bob Newhart. And then Dick Van Dyke's show is still funny. It is. Yeah, if you ever catch old episodes of it, it's still funny. It it's, is. It holds up like Hogan's Heroes. Donna Reed, not so much. But, yeah, so, yeah, so he leaves that show. Um, do you, do you think he was always worried about like if he was good enough or not, I know no, you kind of I, mentioned well, that. Yeah, I think he, I think he had some real uh, self-esteem kind of issues about. You know, he always came across being very confident, but um, people who knew him would often talk about the fact that he did have some worried that he wasn't. You know, some insecurities, right? And stuff. Yeah, where you know, and a lot of people do. That's a mm-hmm. that's a thing that comes with 
a lot of people with success is you wonder it's uh, the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, are, do I really deserve to be here? Sure. Is this something I deserve? And I think that that was something that, that bothered him, especially when, you know, he's overhearing someone talk rather than someone coming to him and go, man, you kind of suck. Right. And it's like, dude, I know I don't suck. You know, um, so that's one thing. But when you overhear somebody saying it, it's a different animal, I think. Mm, and okay. so, or someone leaves you a review that tells you to stay in your lane. Right. And then you go, oh, wow, man, do I really fuck up this this podcast or not? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I think it's the same kind of thing for him. And so he quit, but then that's the best thing that could have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, he walked away from the set, but he probably would not have gotten Hogan's Heroes this same year. Yeah. I mean, it was right after that, that somebody else picked it up and put it back to work. And he, he, killed that show like he was he was <laughs> i mean funny, yeah I, I, it's so amazing i think he really really made it i don't know how well it would have done with somebody else yeah it's a funny show it is a funny show but what a weird premise for a show well uh, so i mean I, when you try to describe that to somebody who maybe because there are a lot of people out there who've never heard of hogan's heroes and you yeah. try to describe what it's about and they're like why is that funny so, it, well so i, I have, say, well it's not a concentration camp they're not walking into the gas chambers but even so it's still a prisoner of war camp. Well, so think you know? about sitting in that pitch meeting. It's like, okay, so yeah. it's a comedy set in yeah. the Nazi prison camp. It's like, yeah. Bob, I'm to stop you right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Or whoever yeah. the pitch person was. But <laughs> yeah, I just, I would love to have been in that meeting. Uh, you mentioned how some people and some neo-Nazi groups were upset about the show. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Who, who, too bad there. That's really sad. Yeah. You know, who cares? I could, I could maybe see some ex-POWs <laughs> being upset, but also others might be like, thank you. This yeah. is like relief. Well, Bob, yeah, know. because Bob said that he you know, that they, not only did they love him, but that he would be like, you know, going to, you know, treated like royalty. Yeah. Veterans meetings and being invited to POW meetings because they thought it was hilarious. And, you know, Jews who, you know, were not offended by it. They thought it was hilarious because it made the Germans look like idiots, Right. you know, and that's why you had two guys, two guys who were Jewish playing the main German characters and loving it. Yeah. And thinking it's, Funny, really yes. funny. Yeah. You said Bob's success seemed to escalate his need for random sexual encounters, and you made sure to emphasize that it escalated it. It's not like it just started <laughs> yeah, right. it. Right. Didn't uh, start it. He'd been doing that for a long time. Yeah. So. Do you think losing your virginity at 14 to your neighbor's wife might have had something to do with it, or <laughs> was that a just symptom? Maybe. That's, um, that's, um, well, yeah, that's a good question now that you put it that way. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she was Had her own predatory. Issues. Yeah. yeah but, I mean, did that start it, or did... You know, did he already have, you know, an interest? Was he in predisposed, it? maybe? Yeah, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But, I mean, it couldn't have helped. <laughs> sure. They stayed in a relationship for a year. It couldn't yeah, have helped. call the cops. Yeah, and then he started making, you know, amateur porn films in the, in the early 50s, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, divorces marries uh, Sig, Sig, boy, Sigrid Valdis, uh, Patricia Arnett Olson. Yeah. After Hogan's, she's, yeah, yeah, she's the secretary. Yes, yes, at, yes. At the prison camp. And so. I, yeah, so I, I Googled all Helda, these people. Helga. Hilda. Was well, it Hilda? It's one of those two. Oh, it's Hilda. Hilda. There yeah, you it's go. Hilda. Uh, after Hogan's Heroes, he appears on some TV shows, a Disney film, but passes on pilots, like you said, even a $300,000 <laughs> radio show. Let me tell you something. If you ever get a chance, watch a clip from that Gus movie. Oh, Gus. God, it's so horrible. No, which one was it's that? It's the you... one about the donkey. Yes. The yes, football yes. team with the donkey that, that kicks, kicks field goals. As as I, I oh read that, God. and I was like, I don't want to watch it. And I'm thinking, this. no, uh, yeah, you don't want to watch it. But if you just happen to see a clip or something from it, uh-huh. and you're like, how did this get made? Okay. You know what I mean? It is like the same era as like 
the cat from outer space uh-huh. and escape to witch mountain although those were kind of fun yeah the cat from outer space not so much I was saying, escape um, to witch mountain at least yeah condor man you know that kind of stuff it was all that same era awful awful uh, awful stuff and he passed up such a huge gig i know well, he didn't want it. He thought that he could stay right on TV or, you know, do movies. And instead, his own show didn't last. I watched an, like half an episode. I thought it was funny. I thought it was fine. I don't know why it didn't work. I think maybe it didn't work because people wanted Colonel Hogan. Uh, you know what I mean? Like and so, himself yeah, so he's moved. He moved over to, again, named after himself, as yes. we were just discussing. Bob Wilcox. Moved, so. moved into his own show. But it just, I, I don't know. I from what I've seen and I don't remember the show Mm -hmm. but like you I went and and watched a couple of clips on it it was all right yeah but maybe it's just not what people wanted it was I yeah I watched one where they're they're in a classroom and um they're about to do some like exams and they're pairing up and you know it's it's mildly sexist exactly how it was supposed to be back then and it was uh, I was like oh I figured they would have eaten this up at that time (laughs) you know but guess not um who doesn't want to be a guest star on the love boat yeah, that was like a that was like a floating, uh, floating barge of has been celebrities, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I mean, he probably did yeah. very well. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, producers may have been worried about hiring him because of his off-screen behavior, and this is the section I've titled "Road Trips with Friends." <laughs> So Bob starts hanging out with John Henry Carpenter. A not to be confused with the with director Carpenter? of Halloween. <laughs> yes, not. That's John why Carpenter. I always tried to specify that Henry in there because it didn't want anyone to think it was right right, right. I, I bet the John Carpenter really appreciates yeah, us sure. protecting his namesake <laughs> yeah. uh, he's a video equipment salesman repairman from LA and just a real piece of shit it seems and, like and is introduced to him by Richard Dawson who always seemed kind of see I when I read that uh-huh. and I you know when I think I heard that a long time ago but when I had written that down and I thought you know he always seemed a little skeezy too <laughs> okay. on you know Family Feud, kissing every yo, yeah, and, of course. You know, um, you can't do that kind of stuff anymore. But back then, it was still okay. And mm-hmm. I always wondered, how did he know this guy? You know what I'm saying? Same. It's got to uh, be yeah, the same stuff. It has to be a, a little bit of a you know some cringy connection, yeah, yeah. something there. Yeah, there's a good uh, Family Guy parody of um, <laughs> him on on that show too, doing some uh, as a host. It's really it's funny. I'll see if I can link to it. Um, so let's see. They'd hit the bars. Bob would find now, women. But, but the, the other thing is. Yeah, yeah. Keep in mind here, we're talking about the late 70s, uh-huh. and he's 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 so excited about the advent of videotape. No one had videotapes. Then. Oh, right. right. So, I mean, no one, no one but the porn industry was making sure. videos at that time. Well, they progress technology all the time. Yeah, well, that yeah. is apparently true. Um, so um, the fact that he wanted to invest in it so he could have it around home, mm-hmm. I mean, we should admire his technological savvy yeah i guess he's ahead um, of the curve yeah yeah he was ahead of the curve um although he still loved to take photographs too, so. <laughs> sure well yeah, i mean you the know classics yeah, you it know. is the classics so uh they, like you said they'd hit the bars bob would find women um for and then john would kind of get the you know the the hangers on yes yeah, so there you go yeah. i was trying to think of a not offensive yeah, way to he say was this kind of there is the wingman and would yeah. pick up the uh, whatever was left yes yeah one time oh gosh i had to play wingman for my friend so many times and i was not <laughs> interested in this woman it's like what's your name and i said i am death destroyer of worlds and <laughs> oh, she was God. more interested and i was like damn it just, just walk just walk away uh they get the party started cameras and all some reports say that bob was uh ready to slow his role and you think that uh, part, part of this was to stop hanging out with carpenter and you think that this probably really pissed Carpenter off and might have led to his 
It's depth. possible. I mean, there there has to be a reason why, and I and I and I do think he's the one who murdered him. Mm-hmm. And if there, it might have been that, or it may have been the money that he owed Bob that he couldn't repay. Right. Could have been either one of them. Uh, that guy, if you you know, you think these habits of Bob Gray. You know, we're sitting here talking about what cool guy he was, mm-hmm. and you might be turned off by his side habits, but he wasn't. He didn't come across at least as like a total sleaze bag. Carpenter guy's mm-hmm. really a creep. I, I mean, see that. anytime I, you know, I've seen interviews with him and stuff while he was still alive and, you know, swearing he didn't do anything. And I'm like, who believes you? Does anyone really believe you? Uh, yeah, he's, he's just a creepy guy. Mm. It's a, it's something about that era and video and all that stuff. It's like watching, you know, like Wonderland, the Wonderland murders with John Holmes. What a creep. Yeah. That guy was just a creep, man. Yeah. And it's something about that era and all of the stuff that was going on at the time. And this guy was in the middle of all of it, mm. you know, and I think he sort of, I mean, Bob had his own thing going, but I think he kind of lured him into a even sleazier side of yeah, things, yeah, yeah. you know? So I think that he was kind of on the fringes of some of this stuff and that might've had something to, I mean, we're never going to know. Right. I mean, but I still think this guy was definitely, if he didn't swing the tripod, so to speak, yeah. uh, then he definitely knew who did, mm-hmm. you know, but I still think it was him. Got so. it. Yeah. I'm still, I still want to talk about that later too. The yeah, tri- yeah. tripod as a murder weapon. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, well, maybe they're know, heavier back That's then. what I was going to say. You're, you're talking about professional quality tripods not like camera yeah not something yeah or or just the tripod even um i don't know if you've ever dealt with you know when when they don't do it so much anymore but when you do like an interview with something and the cameraman would always have these big heavy tripods Hmm. and professional ones are pretty heavy okay so i could see it being possible as a murder weapon yeah yeah you know for sure i gotta remember things they get smaller and lighter exactly <laughs> yeah exactly progress. and then you go order one off amazon and it's gonna be you know some cheap two pounds yeah and yeah. but the uh, professional ones are much heavier duty fair enough all right wednesday june 28th 1978 my father's 19th birthday <laughs> uh who knows what he was doing at that time uh crane and carpenter hit some bars in scottsdale Bob's upset about a recent encounter with his estranged wife. Others also claim that there were problems between Crane and Carpenter. Uh, basically, this is when you think that uh, they might have been breaking up. <laughs> so as to speak. Friends. Yeah. Yeah. The next day, Victoria Berry, a member of the cast of Beginner's Luck, went by Bob's place to pick up a video of her performance in that show. Right, right. Not a video of her I'm performance. You, I was glad you clarified it's that. her performance. In the show. In the show that she wanted to use could for you, resume. Could you imagine, though, so you get a video from Bob Crane, <laughs> and you're showing your family, and then right as it ends, it's just Bob going yeah, to town on yeah, somebody yeah. because he, he's taping over. He's recorded over something, yes. yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> just showing your family. Yes. Um, she finds the door to his place unlocked. He was supposed to meet her for lunch or something, Yeah, he was supposed to come to a lunch. It was a promotion thing for the show. Got it. So she finds the door unlocked and then eventually a body in a bed with blood splattered all over the walls and the face badly mutilated. Doesn't even know if it's really him at at first. Um, She immediately calls the police, which is a new thing for us. It is. It is. Well, it's not in Hollywood. Sure. You know what oh, I mean? maybe that's yeah. We're that's we're right. out of town. It's like Phoenix, you know. So, yeah, right, right. Scottsdale. So, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, Scottsdale. So she automatically calls the police. Like now, a normal person. We, yeah. 
if it had been in Hollywood, uh, she would protocol. have called his manager, who then would have called a studio, who would have called the radio station to ask what they should do. And should we hide all of the videotapes? Uh-huh. I mean, they would have come and cleaned out all the video. Oh, we'd they really still, would have. We'd yeah. still never know that he had this secret life. Yeah, that's a because good point. Because the studio would have come and just cleaned it all up. But yes. that's what happens when you die in Scottsdale. Now everybody knows your dirty laundry. So, so yes. to speak. No, that so. that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we definitely wouldn't have any of that stuff yeah. because that would have been yeah. the first thing the studios did. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Okay. So, let's see. See, the murder weapons, like I said, the tripod, um, and a, but an electrical cord is also tied around yeah. in, in a Bow. Bow. Was, was this you? Okay, so was this used to try and kill him? Was this a no, decorative kind it was of a decorative thing? thing. A, a weird yeah, no, they card didn't. Bullshit? Yeah, no, they didn't try to choke him with it. He was already dead. They took a cord and tied it around his neck in a bow and left it. Like just add an insult, just, I guess. I mean, that's the, that's the thing about it that y- y- there there there's got to be a reason. Mm-hmm. I just I have no idea what it could be. It's the Arizona cartel. It's called a Scottsdale <laughs> necktie. <laughs> the Scottsdale necktie. <laughs> yes. Uh, the aftermath. So Scott. Scottsdale Police uh, Lieutenant Ron Dean is placed in charge, which is not going to be a fun job for him. <laughs> the working theory is that someone Bob Crane knew had left the apartment and then came back, killed him in his sleep. Robbery didn't appear to be a motive, so he thought, you know, maybe he pissed off a lot of people, yeah. boyfriends, husbands, yeah, lovers, yeah, things like of, that. You know. But they found everything still there, except for his, which makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. It should have been shown it to some no, people. No, he, he either showed it to the wrong person or someone found out they were in it. Uh-huh. And maybe a boyfriend came after him. Who knows? I still think Carpenter's got something to do with it, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, yeah. I could certainly be wrong. There's just like like a boatload of suspects, of yeah. possible suspects. And there's no... Especially since the... The book is gone with yeah. all the photos in it. Of course, you know, Carpenter could have taken it for a spank bank for uh-huh. all we know. But Seems on the like other it. hand, um, you know, it could have been somebody in it, uh-huh. you know, and got someone to get it for him or who knows. Did you? Yeah, I was curious. Um, were there ever any rumors of famous people in that? No. Or And, and was no, there any? Not that I know of. Was there any... Um, any trails of like any physical evidence at the scene? Cause I know you didn't talk about that that well, much. Well, no, so. there, they just wasn't any. And plus it was 1978. So uh-huh. there wasn't a whole lot you could do with, well, as they found out when with they the tried blood. to, to you know, track the, trace the blood. Um, but I don't think they'd found any, I mean, that's why there was, there was just no mention of any fingerprints they found that were worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Nothing that they could track. I mean, there had to think how many fingerprints there had to have been in that house. Yeah. You know, I mean, besides Bob's and you've got, you know. Everybody uh, from that photo album. <laughs> yeah, everybody from the photo album uh, has been through that apartment at some time. So I think it was just such a mess. There was right. just no way that you well, could trace them all. Yeah, you, know, you turn on a black light in that place, it'd probably oh, just God. like light oh, up. Oh, no. Yeah, that would be Ooh. like a hotel room. Like so, a hotel yeah. room, as I. Oh, shifting in this, on this hotel couch. <laughs> the initial suspect, Carpenter, who uh, the lieutenant had on the phone, but um, never he never asked what the incident was that the cops yeah, were investigating. Yeah, wouldn't you want to know? Yeah. You call your friend's house and the cops, you know, the cops <laughs> answer. And there's, you know, obviously you could hear other things going on in the background. Wouldn't you ask, well, where's Bob? What happened? Yeah. I mean, he just never even asked. Oh, just so, idiots. Yeah. Uh, like I said, at first there's no physical evidence to tie Carpenter to the crime, but they did find blood in the rental car that matched the blood type of Crane, but that's it. And, yeah, and we think, couldn't get any further than that. Yeah, so... 
that's kind of where that leaves off. But again, it wouldn't be our podcast. We didn't at least talk about some ghosts a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So May 1992, a change in the prosecutor leads to the case being reopened some years later. Um, and I'm always curious about when they decide to do that. Is it like a political kind of thing? Um, sometimes, yeah. Or they'll, you know, maybe that, when that happened, this was one of the most famous people ever killed in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Scottsdale. Sure. And so... Um, you just made so many, like, stepmoms <laughs> upset <laughs> yeah. about... Oh, and so, you know, they probably thought, well, you know what, let's let's open this back up because we do have a suspect. You know, we can't, you know, the, the blood sample was too degraded to do anything with at this point uh, because nobody knew how to handle it in 1978. Oh, right. Uh, but, you know, everything they had against him was, was really, you know... Um, theory, mm-hmm. you know, rather than real evidence. And so he was acquitted, um, even even though uh, they had to delay the trial because he was in trouble for misconduct with a minor. Ugh. This guy's a real gem. Yep. And uh, so finally, when they did put him and I this I do remember, I do remember when they put him um, on trial again mm-hmm. and seeing some of the things from the pictures from the courtroom and him being there and that kind of stuff. But then they had to let him go. I think it was more of a, I wouldn't say it's a show trial, but it was a little, I think more about publicity than anything because, or maybe the prosecutor just hoped that, you know, he could sway public opinion enough to prosecute him. I don't know. I really don't. Um, It's, um, it's, it's a bit baffling as to why they reopened it, but I think they wanted to try and get him. And then of course he died a few years later anyway. So, um, it's probably just going to end there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So. But his ghost is reported to be seen uh, at one of his favorite places. Bob's, C- yeah. Yeah, CBS. Yeah. Yes, Bob. Bob yeah, yeah. Uh, I was sorry. like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, no, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> Carpenter. Lost me there. Carpenter's yeah. just, you know. he's want, anytime there's yeah. a 7-Eleven in Scottsdale, um, <laughs> 3 a.m., you see his ghost. No, uh, CBS Columbia Square, where Bob Crane worked as an on-air personality. And it's nice to see somebody maybe haunt some place where they're happy memories. Yeah, instead of, you know, this is where I was brutally murdered and <laughs> right. here I am. Yeah. Fucking tripod. Yeah, so, yeah. That, yeah, I think so, too. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad situation mm-hmm. that, you know, that it, well, it, when anybody's murdered, but it's a sad situation when it's someone that you well, admire as far as their body of work yeah. goes and their personality and things. He seemed like a good guy. He just had some quirks and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. We you all know, have again, quirks. we all have quirks and he wasn't hurt anybody. Some of them are it just wasn't more like it others. was, you know, misconduct with a minor or something. Right. Um, you know, there was no there were, had never been any claims of anything like that mm-hmm. against Bob Crane. It was always, always consensual, always, you know, just maybe carried a little too far, yeah. you know, um, we've all been there, wanted to show things Over-sharing. around. And that's where, yeah, the oversharing is what did it. Um, I think that's what's made him and given him sort of this, you know, weird persona. Have you seen Autofocus? No. The movie? You mm. should watch it. Uh, Greg Kinnear plays Bob Crane. Oh, okay. Uh, Willem Dafoe plays Carpenter, which is Oh, that's perfect. perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, not, it's not fantastic, mm-hmm. but it's all right. And you get a good... It's, it's worth watching. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. If you have an interest in Bob Crane, 
I wasn't going to watch it. Um, Oren watched it. And mm -hmm. Dad, you got to watch this. This is great. Yeah. And uh, he's really good. And Kinnear does a good job. He's a good, he does, a, I mean, it look like him, but he does a good job playing that character. Sure. It's worth, it really is worth watching. In fact, I, okay. I think I may watch it again All sometime right. soon because I haven't seen it in several years. You're going to be mad if it doesn't hold up to what you remember? No, I, I mean, I, well, I don't, when you go into something like that, I didn't expect anything from it in the first uh, place. So it was okay. You yeah. know, and I liked it. All right. And now I think I kind of just like to watch it again just to, uh, you know, just to, to see it again. Um, I did a, you know, I was working on a Lizzie Borden thing. I just presented again last night mm -hmm. and I've done it quite a few times before and wrote a book about it, but I thought I would go back and rewatch that Elizabeth Montgomery, the legend of Lizzie Borden. Oh yeah. And that was done in the seventies. Cause I thought, well, you know, that, that, that was, I thought that was good when I was like, oh, God, it's terrible. Uh, How did I bet. anyone ever think that was good? I bet. Plus, the copy that's on Amazon looks like it was filmed through a dirty piece of glass. That's what I've been it's finding. The quality's so bad. Yeah. It's just, it's almost unwatchable. Mm -hmm. Well, it's almost unwatchable because it's bad, <laughs> but it's almost unwatchable. Literally. Just because it really looks terrible. And I mean, it just gives you a headache yeah. looking at it. It's it's awful. But, uh, so I don't recommend that. Okay. Autofocus, on the other hand, uh, worth watching. Autofocus. Worth, worth giving it a watch. Nice. Well, I thought maybe you'd, hey, you would have seen it. No. So I'm surprised. I haven't. Yeah. When I'm done with all these 1970s movies. Yeah, I'll, I know. We're I'll working on our Halloween list. thing. I gave Cody the big list and yes. he's been working his way through it. It's so. been a trip so far. I can't yeah. wait to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our new subscribers from Patreon. You really help us do this show and, and keep it going. So thank you very much for subscribing. Uh, we got a lot of them. Tracy, Kari, Raya, Love. Uh, Larava, I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. I'm sorry. But thank you. Christopher, <laughs> Melissa, Amy, Kathy, Adam, Brian, Ray, Liliana, Jeff. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. And you can check it out at patreon.com slash American Hauntings. It is now time for our Ghostwriter segment. If you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre, you can email us at American Hauntings Podcast at gmail.com. This one's from Brandon. <laughs> uh, the subject is Jean Lafitte movie. It says, uh, hi, guys. I've been listening to the new season. Movie. It's really good, yeah. but I've also been jumping back and listening to the previous seasons as well. I'm in season four about New Orleans, and someone asked if there's a movie about Jean Lafitte. You said you didn't know of one. Well, there is one. It's mm. called The Buccaneer, and it stars Yul Brynner as Jean Lafitte. Really? It was made in 1958, so it's an old movie, but it's pretty good. It takes some mm. license with the story, however. Do you think? It's surprisingly <laughs> accurate. Yeah. It takes some license with the story, however, it's surprisingly accurate, especially when most uh, when most movies of that era didn't even try to get the facts straight. Oh, well, that's a good point. It also stars Charlton Heston as Andrew Jackson, Charles Boyer, Boyer oh. as Dominique Yu. Boyer. Uh, Boyer, sorry. Uh, Lauren Green is also in Lauren it. Green? Uh, Paul from Bonanza is in it? Sure. Yeah, okay. I guess. Sadly, Orson Welles is not in it. God damn it. Damn it. Um, oh, well, you can't win them all. I call that a win. Overall, <laughs> it's worth the watch. You can rent it on Amazon. Anyway, keep up the work. Season five cool. the best well, yet. thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks for letting us yeah, know. Yeah, thanks for making the hours at work go fast, Brandon. Uh, this next one is from Helen. The subject is Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> Uh, it says, hey guys, after listening to Jane Mansfield episode, fascinating as always, in the connection to Engelbert Humperdinck as the singer, um, it caused me to recall that I've heard the name uh, that was not, I've, sorry, it caused me to recall that I'd heard that that name was not original to him. Librarians right. tend to store a lot of we use, found it. useless trivia. We found it eventually, and it was something... 
really normal. <laughs> right, which she said, according to scrollin.com, the original E.H. was a relatively obscure 19th century German composer. Oh, 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 I see what she's yes, saying. Okay. Who was born in 1854. And we said, why the hell would you pick that name? Yes. Now we know. Whose repu- reputation rests largely on the opera based on the familiar uh, Grimm Brothers fairy tale, Hansel and Gretel. There you go, Cody. Yet huh. another connection to creepy kids and a creepier <laughs> witch. Have a good day, That's guys. Good. Helen. That's oh, good. Says, P.S. Yes. Awesome. I always listen to the end. Wouldn't want to miss a thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is fun. Thank you for those yeah. random little tidbits. Sorry for butchering so many names from Patreon oh, through Ghostwriters, yeah, and um, but I'm just doing this on the fly here. Well, sometimes you know they come up and I don't know what they are. Yet, I know. You know, and then it's like I really wish you. And then you then they'll like put in a request to join the you know, the private Facebook, uh, Facebook group, group. And you're like, okay, who is this? Because their name doesn't I know. come up I, I try to go through and I see and this I match know. them up. I know. But yeah, hey, you get a private Facebook group where we drop random stuff. We, we had a nice little <laughs> combo about um, the, Zodiac the other oh day. God. <laughs> Did you fun. see? I was... Do, I just happened to be the first person to shit on that to you. Yeah. But it's everywhere. Now, there are articles everywhere about, okay, this is stupid. Yep. You know. I figured it would be. There was a great article. I think I put, I think I put it, a link to it up on that page uh, that was in Rolling Stone. And mm-hmm. it was about, you know, all the other things this guy had done. And, and they turned that around quickly, yeah, too, they that did. article. They did. And there was a guy who had been... Uh, had worked for History Channel, and I, he had a long Twitter thread I was reading, and this was a guy who had said, you know, they'd had like a TV show and things on History Channel, even though they knew that it wasn't true. There was uh-huh. something else. It was something else that he covered they knew wasn't true, and they just went ahead and ran the documentary anyway. Can't it's like paid. the H.H. H. Holmes, Jack the Ripper thing. Uh-huh. It's impossible. I mean, there's like th- actual physical evidence that show you in Chicago at the time of the murders, and... But people, well, they saw it on TV. Must be true. Must be you true. Know, so. Must be nice. Yeah. Well, that's all I got, man. Okay. Well, guys, thank you for listening. And again, as usual, and hanging with us as we finish up this season. Uh, we are We are getting close to the end. And so we appreciate you staying with us on this. And we hope that you've enjoyed it. I mean, we're, we're sitting here complaining about it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Cody probably didn't enjoy it as much as I did. But... Um, I, I know, I mean, there's a reason why I did like solo Valentino things. He's like, who the fuck is that? You know? So I think he did, but, um, anyway, we, we hope you guys have enjoyed this season as much as we have, or at least as much as I have, or half as much of I, as I have. And a little more than Cody has. How's that? Okay, now I get it. Does, does that hit some Making me do math. Right I know, now, right? Yes. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week yes. uh, with another episode as we finish up this season and celebrate Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be coming up with our movie episode here uh, yes. later in the month. So, yep. Which will be fun. Which, speaking of that, mm-hmm. I actually watched a really good movie the other night. Uh, the Night House. Have you seen that? The Night House. It's uh, with uh, Rebecca. Is it uh, where her Hall? Hus- Rebecca Hall has the other commits house. suicide. Yeah, you got to watch that, man. Wait it's a minute. really good. Her husband's an architect, and he yes, he, and he builds does that other house and, in the and woods, like a a, a duplicate yes, house. Okay, I did see that. Yeah, I, I did. Really see it. liked. I, I liked it. it too. Um, I gave it a. Real good review, real good rating. I really liked it. I remember I had a couple qualms with it, but I'm trying to, I can't remember what they are off the top there of my There are a head. couple of things that I probably would have done different. But on the other hand, that, that guy has done some other movies I really like. Yeah. And I thought he did a really great job with that one. Yeah. Um, so I watched that earlier this week and I watched Old. Have you seen that one? Yeah. That was the M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. It was okay. It was fine. It was okay. He's made worse movies. Uh, oh, God, for sure. Yes. Um, he's, it's certainly. He's certainly made better ones. Yes. Um, I didn't hate it. 
Um, I liked it more after I saw the ending. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, But don't it didn't wasn't the ending so M Night Shyamalan? Yeah, of course. The way it it ended, it's just so he always takes it just one step too far Mm -hmm. with wrapping everything. I mean, it's like if I made a movie and I, I, a lot of times I'll watch a movie and I'll go, I wonder what happened to those people after it was over, you know, cause it just sort of, that movie would end, but he's making the movie. And I think he makes the movie and goes, Hey, I wonder what happened, what happened to these people afterward. And then goes ahead and shows (sighs) us anyway. And it's like, okay, we didn't need that. It's better to just let us wonder. Yes. You know, I mean, some of it was good, but, I don't know. It's it's not a bad. It's worth watching. Yeah, check it out. Uh, I mean, it, you know, I I put it on my list. I think it gave it like three stars, which I, is much better than it could have been. Some of the others, yeah. yeah. Um, there is a character that is a rapper, and his name is Midsize Sedan. So I'm just letting you know you're get, <laughs> yeah, that's what you're getting yeah, into. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that was uh, that was unfortunate. There's yeah, that was who, really unfortunate. Who they just they're giving yeah. him carte blanche again? I guess. Uh, I know. Just, I like, guess. Oh, I know. That's I thought that too. I thought, what really? That's what you came up I with? Know. Um, but anyway, it's it's not. I, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Um, the camera. I found the camera work and it was very disconcerting though. What do you mean? Like all, all over the all place? All weird angled close-ups oh, and yeah. they would be like off did center. The, yeah. Did you know? And I think that kind of added to the, the weirdness yeah. of everything and, and I really do but it was just very strange I did. I did. Work. I did I, actually appreciate some of the um, but they, they weren't single shots but he tried to make them look like they were when they'd circle back yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I that, did like that I thought too. that was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But yeah, it's, the whole movie is really disconcerting. It's, it's just yeah, it's uncomfortable. just odd. It is very odd. I like the girl what going for. getting pregnant and having uh, a baby in like, I was like 20 don't minutes. Make this. I was I like, know. please was, don't let this be what's going to happen. I know. Uh, well, we, I don't want to yeah, give anything. I'm spoiling something. I don't want to do that. But yeah, it's it's... It's worth watching. Yeah. The Night House, I would recommend much, much, much higher, though. I agree. Um, and I watched something new on Netflix, and I don't remember what it was, but I liked it. Hmm. Um, I'm sure it's in my like letterbox yeah. thing. So I, I have noticed that I'm getting more people following me on uh, Letterboxd. Hey, nice. So, um, that are getting you know a lot of the stuff I do. Um, no One Gets Out Alive. Uh, um, that was that a pretty good one. Um, it's odd. It's very odd. It becomes very... Um, I don't again. Don't want to give it away. It's on Netflix, so okay. anybody can go watch it. You don't have to do anything special to watch it. But it's called No One Gets Out Alive, and that was pretty good. Um, it's No Martyrs Lane, which <laughs> was on Twitter or on Shutter, uh-huh. and I even put it in the ad read that I did you because did. that that was that one um, that was a that was a four star for me. I really liked that movie. Nice. It was very good. So there's some there's some good stuff out yeah, there, this will, and we'll talk about you know, all that kind of stuff episode. at the end of the yeah at the end of the year. Yeah, I was worried there wouldn't be material to work with. No, but there's gonna I, be yeah, enough. I thought so too. But I think so many things came out that were you know um, I'm trying to think of the right word that had been stalled and yeah, delayed. They were held and over. Things. Yeah, Antlers like will be out. Candyman, Antlers coming out at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's definitely some stuff there. And uh, yeah, I am too. Um, that's what I wanted. To, uh, well, you and I talked about that. We've built it. I know, up so but much that's now. my concern because <sighs> that's what happened to me with Saint Maud. Remember oh I kept, yeah. Oh God, I can't wait to see this. And then I saw it, and it's like, eh, it's mm. all right. You know, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It's okay. Yeah. You know, um, I would have preferred something different. I think, but you know, it was all right. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm hoping that Antlers will not be disappointing. I know. Fingers um, crossed. Yeah. Yeah, well, Candyman wasn't. That's so true. We I really liked a long it. time for that. I did yeah. too. So, 
right. Before All right. Troy knows what's going on, this episode of the American no, Hogs Podcast no, is written by Troy Taylor and it was that, produced yeah. and edited by me, Cody Beck. If you're not a regular listener of the podcast, damn it, we'll hope you'll check out a bi-weekly dose of history, hauntings, legends, lore, the dark side of American history, and me trying to pay attention. You can find and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you listen to your favorite shows. See the website at AmericanHauntingsPodcast.com yeah, for what, more though, info this about was the show, the notes, best. photos, links, no, and this more. this was the, one of the best... Except for the Munsters, I think Hogan's Heroes was one of the best ever theme songs. It's classic Nazi comedy. Um, if you're a regular no, listener, a we hope you'll song, take uh, time to review us on the Apple Podcast app and share the show with your friends, neighbors, relatives, people you pass on the street, whoever. We couldn't and wouldn't do the show without you. If you're a fan, then you also know that American Hauntings is not just this podcast. It's books, tours, events, theme songs, more. And our main website is AmericanHauntings.net. For those who uh, write to us and tell us you wish we posted shows this more often, the when this dancing. would come on, when this would come on, uh-huh. it always reminds me of going to war. No, no, it, you know what? Here's a, here's a weird nine eleven. Here's what? a weird mental connection. Whenever I hear the theme song to Hogan's Heroes, I think about cold fried chicken. What the fuck? Why? Because I love to have cold fried chicken as a snack after school. <laughs> and for some reason, Hogan's Heroes reminds me of cold fried chicken. That's not the only perk. So that you when get I hear either. that song, no, and it's cold discounts, fried chicken, shirts, and stuff in the yeah, mail, you all would, kinds of you would things get that too. about so. Troy's past. Uh, for those who don't understand how important our Patreon is to us, go back, listen to the first season where there was none of this bullshit going on, and then listen to this <laughs> one where there's a lot going on. Patreon's what made it all get better sound wise. Uh, so check it out. Necessarily <laughs> yeah, content. beyond that, check yeah, it out. No. Patreon.com slash American Hauntings. If you have any comments about the show, suggestions, reviews, jokes, or just want to tell us what you really think of us and that you're just, you're over and this ending, yeah. we're well, you know what? Email, Twitter, I've had a lot Instagram, of requests to bring Facebook. back Orson Welles. So, I don't believe before that. the season is over, he will be back. Oh, uh, messages in, some in a way. bottle. So. Carrier pigeons, telegrams. Until next time. Just keep sending letters to Cody. Tell him how much you want Orson Welles. Goodbye. So long. <laughs> See you later. We will end no show before it's time. I'm ending the show. (laughs) Oh, God. All right, that's uh, 50 minutes.